0: Hello, Podocumens, and welcome to another episode of the Podociesis podcast, a podcast about what Christians believe and why it matters. I'm Brett Maddox, and once again, we're joined by your very best friends. And happy Easter, Alan and Jim. How are you guys doing?
1: I am doing fantastic. I am full of Reese's peanut butter eggs. (laughs) Which, by the way, uh, controversial topic, is
0: the best Easter candy that there is. That, well, first of all, uh, is a controversial topic because everybody knows <clears> that <throat> the classic chocolate bunny is the best Easter candy that there is. I
2: uh, will break this tiebreaker and we'll uh, concede to Jim's point. Yeah. There is nothing,
1: will, nothing that will destroy your childhood and trust in the world like receiving a big piece of chocolate and realizing <laughs> that that junk is hollow.
0: Hollow on this inside. You bite into it and it crumbles. <laughs> it's, like, it's
2: like everything's good on the outside, but in the inside. Like there's a, my soul. There is nothing. <laughs> it's a void.
0: It's a void. Like Jim's soul. Yes. Hey, soul. <laughs> Man
2: looks at the outside. The Lord looks at the heart.
0: And in the bunny, there
2: is there's nothing. Empty.
1: <laughs> Man, that bunny ain't got no heart.
0: <laughs> got no hey, heart. by the way, the Reese's chocolate egg, although I will say is an awesome thing, is the perfect Reese's candy, in my opinion. Agreed. Um, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, absolutely.
2: I'm of the, I'm of the opinion that the miniature Reese's miniature is the, the necessary ratio of, of chocolate to peanut butter. But that, that, that's, that's (laughs) either here nor there. I've
1: I've never, I've never been on the verge of such schism in the church as I am. I know I'm saying, I I mean, mean, in ten
0: fifty, 1050, in ten fifty four, or whenever it was, that was the East and the West separated. Today, in fifteen, in fifteen seventeen, we had the Catholics and the Protestants. Today, today we have, we the have this, miniatures sep- the miniature's Re- miniatures versus Reese's eggs. So, yeah. um, oh So well.
1: disappointed. I don't know if I can continue.
0: <laughs> by the way, uh, this episode of the Potatoes Podcast brought to you by M Ms. So. <laughs> hey uh i know uh anyway we're so glad that you are with us Did y'all have a good easter i mean he is risen he yes. is risen indeed yes absolutely i'm
2: back drinking diet coke amen Can we get it again? <laughs>
0: oh <laughs> yes alan actually had said that in a text to us he was like easter means diet coke <laughs> yes <laughs> Oh, and Jesus! And, yeah, and Jesus, oh yeah, Jesus! Oh yeah. yeah,
2: Jesus! Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, no, it was great Easter, man. Had uh, great, great. I think I felt everybody I talked to had a great attendance. It was um, mm-hmm. felt like people were coming back and so forth. It's great. That's Spirit. awesome. That's beautiful. Beautiful. That's awesome.
0: Well, um, as always hit us up on social media, give us a five star review and rating on Apple podcast and feel free to comment on any of our episodes. In fact, we're going to start off today with a few comments from our last uh, couple of episodes. We've talked about the sacraments. Um, and we've talked about baptism, and so that has sparked some conversation. And so I wanted to share a few uh, a few things uh, uh, that people have commented uh, to us about with y'all. Uh, first of all, from our uh, one of our uh, listeners, um, Colin, um, he he says this uh, that he was listening to the podcast, and he was asking if we thought that infant mortality particularly, um, in kind of, you know, in the, in history in the past, um, played a big part in the reason to baptize babies, um, that it was more kind of practical because of high mortality rates, um, in the past. And he brought up that. So Colin is a, um, is a person who is a member of my church here at in columbus but he grew up and was catholic for all uh, up until about four or five years ago and so um and his brother's actually a catholic priest and so he's got some catholic um upbringing on this and he said that um and i'm just going to quote him in a in a comment he made he said that i can remember in early catholic school that teachers talking about unbaptized babies going into limbo um, or I guess purgatory would be another way of putting that because they hadn't done anything to deserve eternal damnation but they had um, hadn't been baptized and couldn't go to heaven. Um, and so he says, I think the Catholic Church has done away with that teaching but I can't help but think that has played a role that when uh, mortality rate was so high not that long ago. So he was just wanting to understand uh, if we, our thoughts on all of that. And I don't, and he, and he would be first to say that he doesn't know all the nuances of actual Catholic teaching on this stuff. He's just going on what he had remembered from Catholic school. Yeah,
1: I I do believe that there's um, there's nuance. You can look at the uh, Catechism of the Roman Catholic Church to find um, a little bit more about that. I, I would say, I mean, it's a neat, it's a, it's a neat thought and there probably was some connection along the way. I don't know that that correlates to the cause yeah. because there's obviously, um, uh, initiating children into the community of faith goes all the way back to Abraham and probably in non, non Judeo-Christian cultic practice even before that. Oh yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So it, it is interesting. There might've been times, especially when it, when it felt more urgent. Mm. um but you also have different understandings of what is happening in baptism um if we haven't used the term baptismal regeneration much right. before right um but there are there's there's some who would say that there's there's new birth happening in a complete way um in baptism which would which would be saving completely mm-hmm. um, and so yeah, it's a great it's a great thought. i do I do see uh, I do see how that is definitely a motivator. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that it necessarily traces back to the full cause. Mm-hmm. um, but I could see how that would push maybe society and different parts of history to you know rush a little bit further and make it more of a common practice,
0: yeah, um interestingly, by the Thanks, way, Thanks, Colin. Uh, yes, absolutely. Interestingly, in um, you know, most people would think that kind of that baptismal regeneration teaching would come out of denominations that practice infant baptism, right? And to an extent, that is that is true. But also, there are Anabaptist traditions that practice this, like the Church of Christ, um, has that baptismal regeneration that your that you have to be baptized um, in order to. Be fully saved and Mm -hmm. so that's that's also not just in more kind of high church or liturgical churches even in those more anabaptist traditions there there are those teachings as well um yeah and
1: i'm probably speaking a little bit ignorantly but in my understanding of the united methodist articles of religion and confession of faith um, that it's not as much a baptismal regeneration though we are clear to say that it cleanses from original sin
0: Yes, absolutely. It's so, really kind of an act of prevenient grace, and and yes, and but there is right. actually something going on. There is too. something
1: going on. Yes. Um, I I would have to. Uh, I'm not confident enough to declare, but I I would say that it the <clears throat> Wesleyan circles it doesn't go as far as right the the theological concept of baptismal regeneration. Exactly. Exactly. So hey, Colin, that's great. I'm so glad yes. you were listening. Yes. And man, just thank you yeah, for putting up with Brett too. We have people
2: who <laughs> listen. Yeah, yeah like amazing. four of
1: y'all.
0: I
2: know. Well, we, we we
0: have we, got another one. And uh, Oh, six. Oh, yes, this, this is, is the best day. This is from uh, a listener named David and and he wrote um his question was he got or comment was he says enjoy the podcast and he was listening to you talk about the difference, with, uh, difference of believers' baptism, which is about the believer and our Wesleyan understanding, which focuses on the action of God. Um, and he said, you didn't quite say it, but is, is the appropriate answer to we practice believers' baptism a simple, we practice God's baptism? Yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the only reason you would say we practice infant baptism and believers' baptism is because they've been separated out in the conversation and it's probably like we would be great to say we baptize we practice baptism or god's baptism and maybe we break it out because we're a little insecure about or we have to be more clear with some some people about
2: baptism but i think because there's been a distinction there's there's a need to clarify so
1: there and there and and we've had these conversations like um throughout the churches i've served in like in bulletins <laughs> and yeah. this is a pet peeve of mine. There's no such thing as the sacrament of infant baptism. Yeah. There's the sacrament of baptism. Mm. And um, it's the same baptism, whether you're an infant and a, or an adult who can mm-hmm. answer for themselves. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, I think man, you, you got a point there, brother.
0: Yeah. I, I, I think that was a, a real good uh, question. And uh, thank you, David, for listening and commenting. And um, I've got one more. And this oh, has nothing to, this has nothing to Seven. do with uh, i know i know this has <laughs> nothing to do with um uh in it with baptism or the sacraments Um, uh, but she was uh this is from a listener named kathy who uh commented on left sent us a message through Twitter that's at Potakis, where you can do that. Oh, wow. And she DM'd us, and uh, she this. was listening to um, our pod, our episode on the word of God. And we had mentioned um about the Hebrew uh practice in poetry, particularly, like in some of the Psalms and some of the places to uh, do what's called acrostic. Um, order, which was to write a stanza or a line that started with a letter of the alphabet, the Hebrew alphabet. And um, she was asking, you know, why don't we see that more in some of the New Testament documents? Like if it was that important, why don't we see that some more in the New Testament documents, which I think is a very fair question. And part of my answer to that is um, the New Testament being written in Greek, maybe that wasn't such a an important thing in that day, although I don't know if that is even close think, to a a good answer.
2: I think a lot of the New Testament is written in a, as as letters. Yes. right, right. So it's a different form of literature than different right? genre. Yeah, so, yeah, and that's what we have to remember. There's so many different forms of literature and genres yeah. in um in the scriptures. So it's just I think it just there's not like a Psalms. <clears throat> In the New Testament, right, you know, right? Um, so, I think that's. I mean, I think that's kind of the main reason. I don't know. Yeah, it's well, it's about
1: yeah. genre um, and about yeah. purpose and timing. You know, there's a lot more full poetic books of the Old Testament. Yeah, right. right. The the genres are limited in the New Testament. You have um, you have uh, uh, apocryphal. You have um, yeah, right. um, you know, epistle. You have biography. You have history. Um, there's poetic sections within. Sure. But yeah, the acrostic is a poetic form, yeah. Um, and and interestingly, you just can't see it in English. You'd you'd really have to see what it looks like in the Hebrew. So you got to trust when your when your translators put the little aleph, bet, gimel, dalet kind of piece on there.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Did, you just, not that speak it's in tongues? did you just speak in tongues?
2: I did. <laughs> like, yeah. What was that? It's not, it's not that it's <laughs> so
1: important that like it pays more to, but it does help you understand um, kind of the structure of things, which helps you observe and enjoy and. And really feast on the text a little bit better.
0: Yeah, and 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 the in in the Psalms, the acrostic piece there is to highlight the the Torah itself, the word itself. Um, and so that's an important piece to this. I mean, the Psalms itself is written in five books that correlate, not correlate, but that point back to the Torah, and the word becomes so important. So to see these Psalms written. Uh, With this, uh, in this acrostic nature, highlighting the letters, the very letters themselves of the word is just further showing emphasis on the Mm. word itself and the power of the word. Yeah. So that's good. That's awesome. Great great question. Great comment. And then and one last thing, um, uh, uh, about a month, six weeks ago or so, we we got a uh, message from one of our listeners named Brian who's a long, long time listener. He's a super fan, actually, um, I would call. And uh, he was just talking about in that letter or in that email, how the podcast has helped him um, in in not just dig deeper into scripture, but has helped him in his kind of just spiritual growth. And he, how he was appreciative of us speaking to him. And he said he would have, Listen to us in the car and have conversations back with us, which is so fun. <laughs> so, uh, I would, Brian. I'd
2: maybe see somebody about that. But Yeah. Uh, well, you know, uh, no, well, Brian, just,
0: you know who you are. We appreciate you, too. And thank you for listening. And all of you, continue sending well, us a, a comments and uh, push us. Uh, challenge us if you think, or ask us questions. Uh, we we love that, and uh, we appreciate you.
2: Yeah, um, if we had merch, and- Brian would buy it. I think. <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely, one hundred percent.
0: All right, let's get to today's catechism. We're talking about the Lord's Supper, y'all. So this is uh, this is going to be good. We just come out come out of Holy Week. We had Monday Thursday where we lifted up the uh, Lord's Supper um, in a big way, uh, and so uh, this is a, a, a special thing uh, for us. And so let's go ahead and get started and. Um, Let's start with the first question, which is, what is the Lord's Supper?
2: The Lord's Supper is a sacrament in which by giving and receiving bread and wine, according to Christ's appointment, his death is showed forth. And the worthy receivers are not after a corporal or carnal manner, but by faith made partakers of his body and blood with all his benefits to their spiritual nourishment and growth in grace. All
0: right. Tell us what that means, Alan.
2: (laughs) 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 would this be
0: considered a run-on sentence (laughs) it is a lot of words yes um all right and so then uh the second question is what is required to the worthy receiving of the lord's supper
2: it is required of them that would worthily 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 partake uh, of partake of the lord's supper that they examine themselves of their knowledge to discern the lord's body of their faith to feed upon him, of their repentance, love, and new obedience, lest, coming unworthily, they eat and drink judgment to themselves. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) (laughs) Man,
1: these
0: these answers are like
2: thick,
1: man. Yes, (laughs) they
0: are. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so we're going to uh, look at a scripture passage. Now, there are uh, several passages from 1 Corinthians that the Catechism has lifted up, but we're we're going to kind of just combine them a little bit into kind of one longer reading. So this is from First Corinthians chapter eleven, starting at verse twenty-three. For this is Paul writing. Uh, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, "This is my body, which is for you." we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment about the other things. I will give directions when I come. Wow. Wow. And he spends a lot of time on the worthy question, right? Like on the judgment piece to mm-hmm. this. Um, I, it, very interesting that we have this this teaching here from Jesus. I'm mean, not Jesus. From Paul about the right way to take communion to 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 participate in this. Um, the, the our heart and so when we do communion liturgy, uh, one of the first things we do is a prayer of confession, right? Uh, a, a prayer of 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 you know bringing our sins before the table itself and 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 confessing our sins. And so corporately, uh, we confess we have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have failed to love our neighbors um, as ourselves. Um, forgive us, we pray. Free us for, Free joyful, us for obedience. joyful obedience. Yeah, there's the prayer of humble access that we rarely use anymore. That we are not. how say? I should have had this looked up. Uh, we're 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 not as worthy to come and eat the crumbs under thy table, O Lord. But you are your your mercies are manifest. Or you know, over and over again. I'm. And, Anglican, I think, and I'm Anglicans everywhere, that, by the way, are shaking
1: their head.
2: Yes. Um oh you know what uh okay anyway um, so uh, it, so uh, so it's my understanding yeah and correct me is that um Paul is writing to uh, in this in this manner to address a particular issue where um as people were gathering together for worship or so forth they would basically consume the elements of the food of, of communion before everybody would get there right um and so that in in like when he says um you know uh, if anyone's hungry, you should eat something at home before you come. Uh, and then when you meet together, there's, you won't result in judgment. Um, and so, um, so there's a little bit of particular, uh, issue that he's dealing with in terms of communion here with the church in Corinth. Cause I think there's a danger where people can, which I've you know dealt with in the local churches, people, um, have deemed themselves unworthy to take communion. And so they won't, um, Mm -hmm. or they'll, they won't for a period of time because of maybe something they've done or something they've thought or, you know, and, and so forth. Um, and so I think, I think we have to be careful. Um, yes, I do. I think we have to confess our sins before taking communion and, Mm -hmm. and, and, and repent and and get right, you know, get right with the Lord, get right with the Lord before we, we do it. But, um um, there is an element that we're all unworthy, you know, there's the whole idea oh, that yeah. we're like, we're all unworthy, you know, so then, then if we, then if that's the case, well then none of us should take communion. But, um, so I guess there's a, um, I think people can read a little too much into that. Um, but I don't know. Uh, correct me yeah, this, is,
1: this is one of those passages where one, it's one of the, one of the in, only instances of, um, the eucharist in the early church Mm -hmm. in the scriptures Mm -hmm. so it's really important and i think it's one of those ones that requires good solid slow reading observation and interpretation into what's actually going on i mean so if i were if i were to study this out i would ask things like um what what specifically and precisely do we mean by unworthy and unworthy manner? Um, What precisely am I discerning, and what does that mean when I'm discerning the body of Christ? Is that having to do with we are not together yet, um, Mm. or is it that I'm not understanding that this is, in some way, the body of Christ? And what is the context? So that you don't take a word like unworthy manner and throw it out uh, in a way that is not specific to the text, so you can then interpret from the text. Um, so well, that, and, I think that's important.
0: Well, and also knowing the context of Paul's teaching. I mean, um, this is one of those places where a text without a context is a pretext for whatever we want it to be. Right. And understanding the, you know, what Paul, so Corinthians is one of Paul's strongest letters of correction, Um to, to a church. I mean, he's speaking to a community that is battling with each other, really. And there's bad teaching. There's, there's, uh, uh, factions being built. There's all this stuff going on. And so Paul is, this is one of those letters where he's not just giving some theologicals. He's actually trying to correct bad teaching. And you can see if you read, so this is, this is chapter 11, just a few chapters later, he's going to be talking about the importance of the resurrection. Um, in chapter 15. And we can see from that that there is teaching going on about uh that Jesus probably wasn't bodily res- uh resurrected, right. um, that it was probably more just a spiritual thing or whatever. So that, that he Paul is speaking to questionable teaching. And they thought because, well, they
2: were spiritual gifts, they were more important than others. I mean, there's yeah, all these I mean, yeah, gifts, yeah, yeah. on so, and on and on.
0: So I'm sure in this sense, in this community. There was bad teaching on communion itself, what it was, what it meant, and the type of person who—or what needed to be going on in your life um, to take it, whether to be completely cleansed of sin or before you approached right. or or whether it didn't matter, you know? Yeah,
1: and and let's throw a little extra context. It's not entirely clear that the when the first Corinthians is talking about the Lord's Supper that they're talking about a piece of bread and some juice, uh, they might very well be talking about a full meal in which they break bread and bread. share the cup and have a full meal. Yeah. Earlier in the chapter, um, there's the issue of there are factions among mm. you and it's like y'all are having your own private suppers. And mm. when you do that, that is not the Lord's Supper you're partaking in. You need yeah. to do that business at home so that you don't prevent the ones who can't bring their own potluck yeah. to come and be a part of this. Can we get but an amen? Yeah, right.
2: Let's bring enough for everybody to share. Now, I mean, everybody.
1: In the set. Yeah. Right. Especially. I mean, we had a lot
2: of peas last night at our cover dish. I mean, it was like everybody was emptying in the freezers getting (laughs) ready for new peas. It was like every Mm -hmm. plate was anyways.
1: But it's almost (laughs) like so in the in first Corinthians, you have a demonstration of why theology matters. Yeah. All right. So there's an actual issue. And Paul isn't going to say you simply stop doing that. What he's going to do is he's going to talk about the truths of God, Christ and the church and then go back and help reform
0: behavior because what Christians believe matters. Absolutely. That's absolutely right. Um, and, and, you know, we, we've talked about this, too, at least in the UMC. We have pretty, um, I won't say ancient, but we've got pretty historical language in our communion liturgy. Mm-hmm. And the language, I mean, there's, there's, there's a reason for everything we say. So for the invitation, Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love Him, who earnestly repent of their sins, and seek to live at peace with one another. Um, And so, you know, the question of open table, do we really—so the idea of open table, my understanding of it is that all are welcome to come to Christ's table, but there are conditions to that invitation, too. got to love Christ, got to earnestly repent of our sins, got to seek to live at peace with one another. Um, It's an invitation with conditions upon it, but the conditions of God's love and grace that is being that is there at the table is for everybody. I mean, it is it's uncon- like it's right. there. God's I, I love. I think it's
2: open in refer in in reference to church membership. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. 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 So um, it's a beautiful thing that calls us to reflect, calls us to really understand that we aren't perfect. As you said, uh, Alan, it's not calling us to be perfect coming to the table. It's calling us to at least confess that we are not worthy. Mm-hmm. Um and then it's almost a, when we acknowledge our unworthiness, that's what makes us worthy to come to 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 the table. It's I, I because- you know,
2: I'm reminded, like it's it's the, the whole, you know, the, the whole invitation and confession that we write, it's like it's like Matthew 5, where Jesus is like, you know, like if you're coming to bring an alt a gift to the altar and you realize that you have an issue with a the brother, then yeah. put that down, go go deal with your brother and then and then come. Um I don't I don't know. I don't know if that's the kind of, but that's what I feel like. Yeah. Um, um. It's like when you when you come to the table, if you realize you you got some reconciliation that happens. Um. I don't know. It's a, it's a great time to to seek that out.
0: <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Right. All right. right. Um. Let me let me ask this. So, the 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 juice or the wine, and the bread. Like um. What o- what, are, what what's going on in those elements? You know, we've got certain traditions that say those elements are the body and blood of christ we've got that other become, tra-
1: that become in uh, a dual matter way yes um both physically bread and wine and physically flesh and blood
0: right we've that's got other Roman traditions. catholic transubstantiation. yeah transubstant. we got others that um say that the presence of the lord is within those elements mm-hmm. that's more of our our tradition um and then we've got others that say those are just signs themselves of remembrance so uh l- let's talk about that and i wanted to um read a uh i, I love let me see i'm trying to remember which where it was it was in this book here this is a thomas oden's book on uh john wesley's teachings and he was uh let me pull it up here sorry yeah, i should have had this ready to go um, and he was talking about the difference between um, that communion is, it's act, it's a sign and it's a thing. It's a sign and it's a thing. So it's a sign of God's love, his redemption, of his grace, of his mercy and all that. But it's also a thing. Like these elements also don't just represent, but they are within themselves. Um, they might not, they don't physically become the body and the blood, but they, they, the Presence of Christ is are is in those things. So when we partake in communion, yes, we're eating bread, we're drinking juice or wine or whatever it is that uh, between those two, um, but we're also taking in the presence. Like there's a presence that's within those things that is mysterious and full of grace and mercy, um, and that 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 that's an important piece. this so when we come i'm not just remembering what jesus did i'm experiencing like like it's it's i'm taking part in it i hope i'm explaining that well
1: well we talk about the the very words we use in in the united methodist liturgy are make them be for uh, us Yes, pour out your holy spirit on these gifts of bread and wine and make them be for us the body and blood of christ that we may be for the world the body of christ redeemed by his blood right so there's there's a sense that christ is present these are made for us the body and blood of christ um and i think that we we don't quite feel the need to you know get down into the atomic level of trying to define that right um but it's not simply memorial Mm -hmm. right that that we are in communion with christ um and that that matters so the remembrance piece that make that sometimes makes it memorial Mm -hmm. well one one okay so one of the reasons that there's there was a pushback against presence in the elements at the table is a pushback against the Roman Catholic teaching from way back in the day. Um well that they still often practice the idea that I think is erroneous, but the reformers had that they were that the Catholic Church believes that a priest needs to sacrifice Christ again. Mm-hmm. Uh that's what the mass is is to sacrifice Christ again. Mm-hmm. Um that this would be his flesh and his blood. Um and then that's not necessarily even what they would what they're doing. Um, so there's a little bit of the pushback there. The other is the word remember. And sometimes we just forget that words are bigger than what we think they are.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, to remember doesn't just mean to have a memory of, but it also means to put back together. Yes. To, if if you dis to dismember, something is pretty clear about what you're doing. You're Cutting it apart, but to remember it is to put it back together. Mm -hmm. And so when we remember, do this in remembrance of Christ, and we are the body of Christ and Christ is present, we're entering into this this sign, act, drama, sacramental moment Mm -hmm. where we are not just having a memory that Christ did this for us. We are putting ourselves back together in Christ and Christ in us and us in Him. Mm -hmm. And so um, sometimes you just got to collect yourself, you know? You ever had to do that in your own mind? You had yeah, to collect your yeah, thoughts yeah, 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 Well, yeah. you're remembering you know, who you are. Sometimes I just uh, to remember who I am, it's not about just having a memory. It's about collecting myself. Also, the church needs to collect itself at the table as often as we can do it.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. So let me, let me piggyback on that. Uh, so I was, I was wrong. It wasn't Tom Oden's book. It was um, this great book called The Absolute Basics of the Wesleyan Way by Justice Hunter and Phil Talon.
1: I'm sure they're Um, really upset that you confused them with the great and late Tom Oden. Yeah, I know,
0: right. So uh, they say in their chapter on what are the sacraments that baptism teaches us about justification and new birth, and communion teaches us about sanctification. And then they go on in kind of a note on this. They say this, Wesleyans believe that the sacraments, baptism and communion, are both signs and things. Article 16 of the Articles of Religion which you can find in the book of Discipline of the United Methodist Church, among other places, is on the sacraments and states that the sacraments ordained of Christ are not only badges or tokens of Christian men's profession, but rather they are certain signs of grace and God's goodwill toward us by which he doth work invisibly in us and doth not only quicken but also strengthen and confirm our faith in him. They are signs, and not only that, but the kind of signs by which God does work in us. This is what we mean by signs and things. It is important to keep both these ideas in mind. The Wesleyan answer to what is a sacrament isn't, only, isn't an only, but a both, while a majority of evangelical Protestants in America answer that they are only signs or memorial memorials, such as non-denominational churches and many Baptists. Um, we Wesleyans say yes. They are certain signs which remind us of God's great uh, mer- uh, of God and grace, but they are also means whereby the thing itself, the grace itself, is given to us. And so um, that is the uh, that's that's what I was getting at with uh, what I was saying, and I think that's what Jim was getting at as well. Is that um, it's not just the the sign; it is the thing itself in which we experience God's grace in our lives, mm-hmm. and um, doctrinal material that we have as
1: well. Uh, this holy mystery, yes, uh, would remind us that it's that it's sign and act; mm-hmm. that it's mm-hmm. not just it's not just the fact that there's bread and wine or bread and welches there. It's that we yeah. are <laughs> enacting. This, yeah, both in baptism as a community and in communion as a community. And I love, I love the the
0: foreshadow, if you will, or the looking forward, the hope at the end until we feast at your heavenly banquet. Mm-hmm. You know that, that kind of looking forward to um, the the ultimate, uh, the ultimate setting right of all of God's creation.
2: Yeah, i love the i love that whole remembering um and kind of re back together yeah by the um, way drop that I, mean, I mean i mean like gym. really we could wow. stop
1: the episode right there i thought yeah, well that. it's uh, the same with baptism when we talk about remembering our baptism mm-hmm. and one of the pushbacks we get at a practical level is, well i can't i was a child or i don't remember it so long ago so it means nothing to me mm. but what you're doing when we want to help somebody remember their baptism we 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 don't just want to recall a memory though that can be very helpful we are remember. we're putting back together what that means about who you are and what God has done in you mm-hmm. um, and this family that you're a part of. And so to remember it, to recall it, to call it back into full existence and who you are. Yeah.
2: Well, I think, but I, th- you know, I think, but with communion, though, I think, and, and, you know, remembering your baptism, you can do that as many times as you want. Mm-hmm. Although baptism, we only, there's only one. We only have one baptism. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one of the reasons, Jesus encourages us to do it as often as we possibly can. It's because I think we, you know, we need to remember, remember. we need to put back together. We need to yeah. r- remind ourselves of who we are and whose we are. Um, yeah. And so, um, I mean, I think that's one of the things of, of weekly, just simply weekly gathering of worship. Um, yeah. And, you know, I know that in, in today's time, in some modern churches or new churches have have gone to every week communion. Um, you know, ours is always first of the month, right? <laughs> I don't know yeah. about you guys, but, um, yeah. um, but I, I think, uh, as much as, or as often as we can. So.
0: Yeah. I was going to ask y'all about that. What do you think we need to be? Do you, do you think the practice that probably both all, all three of our churches once a month is sufficient or do you think there is a mood that we need to go back to our every time we're in worship, having having communion together what what are your thoughts on that
2: I don't know I mean there's part of me that's like yeah game on um yeah. mm-hmm. uh I don't know why not right yeah. I mean give, Robin, give me a reason a good, why not you yeah. know um w- what we do now is really just out of tradition uh, is, uh, yeah. a local tradition you know not a um so you know yeah, um,
1: yeah I think I think you'd really have to work it cuz then you're starting to you're starting to really impact the church's culture and practice in a very deep way. I don't think anybody would say, yeah, we should. No, there's no reason to do that, except for the fact that there's deep set patterns and expectations and things of that nature um, that are different, um, that would be hard to do you have you have basic three reasons that uh, American churches and Methodism are probably at once a month and and that's because one we were never intended to be a church onto our own we were mm-hmm. Methodists were always a supplemental group to the Anglican Church which had communion and a weekly and often more mm-hmm. um, and in the expansion into America the Methodist movement once it became churches uh, didn't have uh, pastors, they were circuit riding, so they would come and bring communion um, and then they would often be led by local uh, local lay leaders who were not you know ordained to do communion so you have those things that, that happen um and then then it becomes a part of the culture of the church um but Either yeah way- I would I would say game on it, it, except you really got to know what you're doing yeah uh, and
0: why you're doing it. And I would, I would also say that the excuse that you hear from some people that it would be less meaningful, like, uh, it, it, I think that's just an excuse that's, you know, you just don't want to do it. So the the idea, I think it needs to be, uh, personally, I think it needs to be like the breath we breathe. You know, it needs to yeah. be as normal as waking up in the morning. And um yeah, I know. So, I
2: know some football fans. They hate. I mean, like this is so less meaningful to go to a to a game every, every Saturday. Saturday. <laughs> I mean that. You know, um, <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, golly, I got to do that again. Yeah, I mean, that yeah. Just like, well, I did it last week. You know, I mean, now I've got to do it again. There's all kinds of things that we yeah, do yeah. on a much more regular basis that we yeah. find uh, enjoyable and meaningful. Yeah, yeah
1: I've got I uh, got two two hot takes. One. <laughs> It um if you think that okay, let me say that again. Um if you want to add communion to a thing to make your thing more special, you don't understand communion. Boom.
0: Mm -hmm. I take one there there, there you go. Boom, number
1: one. Um and if you think that having communion more often makes it less important because it's supposed to be an occasional dramatic thing, you Mm -hmm. don't understand communion. Boom. Boom. That's
0: two booms. That's boom squared. They're
1: kind of uh, the same, but
0: <laughs> okay. Sorry. I'm just, so, I'm just so saying t- you're I'll making you, a good point. I've actually, and you just come. <laughs>
1: so I've, I've actually had in pastoral ministry, like you have some, some group that's meeting um, and they're like, ah, oh, we have a big meeting coming up and we, we really think it would be real special. If, if, if you can serve as communion, um, I will, I will sit them down and let's talk about, let's talk about that. Um, because I will not have, I will not do just to make something more special.
2: Mm.
1: Not that I won't serve communion. But we'll find a way to make sure everybody understands mm-hmm. what we're doing, mm-hmm. um, and that having communion doesn't make your event more special. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. communion should be had often, and it can very well be done at this meeting, this meeting, or that meeting.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's a good word. And I'm guilty of that, by the way, of doing that. So I'll just take that.
1: And, and I could just, I mean, I, I'm probably a little hard nosed on thinking like that, but
2: Kim's hypersensitive about everything. No, I'm
1: just, uh, an Enneagram one perfectionist. <laughs> He's um, hypersensitive
2: um, about everything. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, last thing I want to ask is, um, uh, the elements themselves, the bread and the, and, and the, you know, in our tradition, we use juice, uh, but, uh, grape juice, but, uh, wine in a lot of traditions, um, the importance of the specific elements themselves. Like They're I've important. heard of like, you know, <laughs> cheese, its and Diet Coke. You don't, I mean, that's not a thing. Uh, Cheez-Its and Grape Fanta, probably not a thing, you know, just kind
2: of. Uh, I think, well, I. let's I, hold on. So, so uh, yes, I think the elements are very important. I also think your context is very important too. And so wh- wherever you, and whatever you have access to, um, I think the Lord, that, that's just, that's me now. Uh, Cause I've just, I've been in Africa and stuff like that where yeah. you know some things weren't available. So mm. um what
1: if the context is I don't want to go to the store?
2: That's not that's not um okay. um yeah you're going to the bad place. <laughs> 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 very least limbo. Very um, at least, very least, very least, very Um yeah. but I, you know, um I think they're important. I think um I think there's what Jesus used, right? Yeah. I mean, I think as as much as we can do, um, you know, it's just it's kind of like, wow, I love intention, mm-hmm. you know, and I know that's probably getting into something into the weeds, but um, I love the one cup and the one loaf because I think that's what Jesus did. I think that's mm-hmm. what the disciples did, and so when I, we can get close to that, I think that's, that's better. Yeah. Um, well, at least for me, more meaningful. Yeah. Um. So.
1: So let's say we're preparing for communion. Would you not want to? do your best to be in the spirit of the meal jesus had with the most respectful and highest quality materials that you could so you don't want to just say hey it would be cool to use mountain dew and donuts (laughs) um to make the the experience more (laughs) special for these people um it's how can how can we honor christ in our choosing of the best of what's available to us Mm -hmm. uh in this way so i don't think you could say well uh it doesn't count if it's not unleavened Mm -hmm. or um you know it doesn't count if you if you're in the methodist church and all you could find was uh you know store brand fresh grape juice yeah 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 um
2: so so just like like this for instance, so um uh for for a while now i've I've just used pita bread like from mm-hmm. the store, and um un, sort of the unleavened idea um but i had a um I had a family come up um a mother come up to me and she said um could i could I start making communion bread like for communion, you know, just like homemade um you know kind of out of a, a bread machine type of thing and she said so my son came up she said this afterkin she said, my son came up to me and he he just said they just said afterwards Jesus body doesn't taste good. <laughs> wow. You know I mean like it's like a, a first grader type of thing or uh, yeah. fourth, fourth I can't remember but um <laughs> um and but the the it goes back to her her grandmother used to make it for the church um mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um and it has been a wonderful change. Like it's great bread, you know, that we, yeah. that we use. And, um, I can give out these big chunks. It's like, I tell people, it's like, I, I want to give you as much of Jesus's body as I can. Uh, yeah. I want to give you as much grace as I can anyway. So it's like, so it's like, I do think we're trying to honor as best as we can, um, Christ in and through the elements, um, um, so you, we want it to taste good, right? Like we want it to, um, I don't know. I, I, I just, um, so it's been a welcome change for me at least. Yeah. That's neat. So.
1: Yeah. We just, we want to be like intentional and honoring. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I, I know the burning question on everybody's minds is our thoughts on virtual communion, uh, especially through the pandemic. But I think that would take probably a whole nother episode.
2: <laughs>
0: um, I will I, simply say I never did it yeah we never did
2: either yeah um we did a form of drive up um we we served people in person and then we invited people who were online to come up to the church and um we served them so it was like i I guess it was a hybrid but i what i have what i have gathered from that time is that it's the it's the importance of having a strong understanding of of holy communion um and the lord's supper um and to be. To be prepared for things like the pandemic, even when we have no idea that they're coming, Um, and 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 so that the we are already informed about what we want to do or Mm -hmm. or should do before things like that happen, Um, and we could there's tons of areas that we could go into in terms of. Um, how the church has responded from the pandemic. But um,
0: yeah, doing theology in crisis is not always the the best thing. Sometimes you have
2: to, but sometimes like it's good to already have that foundation and to have that understanding. It's almost Uh,
0: like what Christians believe matters. (laughs) Amen, brother. Amen. All right. Well, this has been fun. Hey, we want to hear what you think about communion. Tell us uh, what, you know, what do you think about hey, weekly communion? Or what, what's think, been
2: your what's, what's what's been a meaningful experience? Yeah, I mean, and maybe it, you yeah. know, um,
0: yeah. The most meaningful experience of communion I ever had was reverse intention at the guard, uh, the all um, at Olive Garden. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Yes. At the Mount of yes. Olives the at the Garden of Gethsemane. <laughs> <laughs> at the Mount at, uh
0: the Mount of Olives at the Garden of Gethsemane in Israel. And reverse intention is instead of dipping it. Uh, it was being poured, and so, like Jesus' sweat drops of blood, you know, or like blood. Yeah. Uh, when you're done, you look on the ground, and it's red. It just that just was very visceral, and in, in, in thinking about that. Um, so, uh, but anyway, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Potikisis on social media. You can email us questions at potikisis.com. You can leave us a voicemail 404-635-6679. Um, in our next episode we're going to be talking about prayer we're going to be actually uh getting ready to get do some work on the lord's prayer Um, but we're going to be talking about prayer in general so y'all join us for that uh remember that we are part of the spirit and truth podcasting network we're proud members of that and so spirit and truth is a movement of wesleyan-minded christians seeking to awaken and equip the 21st century church with the power of the holy spirit to share the gospel, and to make disciples of Jesus Christ. We long to see a new movement of Christians who are empowered by the Spirit, rooted in the truth, and mobilized for mission. You can find out more information and resources at spiritandtruth.life. Hit us up on social media. Leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcast. And as always, tell your friends and family about the Podokiesis Podcast. We are so glad you joined us, and we look forward to talking to you later. Have a great day.